Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to the DOGS program. This is the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools program here every Saturday with you on 3CR Community Radio. Now, starting off this week, we'll start off as we usually do with our press release. This is press release 956. The Victorian Government now pays for new private schools and maintenance of existing schools. In the last month, the, the Catholic Education Authorities have been lobbying the Andrews Government for public funds to erect new schools as well as maintenance of those they already own. They have succeeded. This means that taxpayers are paying for assets which they neither own nor control. Dogs ask, isn't it time private schools, which are most almost totally funded by the taxpayer, become public schools? The news about the uh, private school lobbying success has been given an early airing and I'll pass over to Jeff now to tell us uh, a little bit about what the, what's been in the news this week. Over to you, Jeff. Yeah, this one's from Country News, which is um, uh, an online publication and it's um, from October 25th and it's non-government Victorian schools are promised $717 million boost. This is where the Labor Party is actually making sure they're going to get elected really well by the private school kids uh, getting heaps of cash before the election. So I'll read on. It says, uh, uh, Victoria's Catholic and independent school sector is being wooed by Labor with a $717 million funding package. Premier Daniel Andrews has promised the cash for low-fee Catholic and independent schools if his government secures a third term next month. 30% 30% of Victorian children attend non-government schools across the state. Choice is very important, Mr Andrew told reporters at Sunbury's Holy Trinity Catholic Primary School, Primary School on Tuesday. The $717 million package includes $450 million to build and upgrade Catholic and independent schools across the state. At least 70% of the funding will be directed to Catholic schools in line with its share of students. If re-elected, the Andrews government plans to work with both school sectors to identify projects, but an initial list of five new schools and 13 upgraded facilities have been earmarked by the state's Catholic Education Commission. Another $250 million would be spent on 60 new and upgraded kindergartens at adjoining non-government schools, along with $17 million to expand the state's free school dental van program. It comes hot on the heels of Labor on Monday committing almost $1.6 billion to build and upgrade government schools and kindergartens if re-elected on November 26th. So there's a lot of money being splashed around, but a huge amount, nearly three quarters of a billion dollars, is being given to non-government schools uh, by the Labor Party to make sure that they get elected in Victoria. And we say, shame, 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 that money should be spent on government schools only. Anyway, back to you. Thanks, Jeff. And you can find uh, our press release at our dog at the Dogs website at www.adogs.info. But we'll have a quick break for now, and we'll be right back after this. It's all about a voice in our own country. We've got a reason for screaming out. Where's our voice in this country? You know, not that I want to be a part of the Constitution for that. You know, that's why 3CR is so important. To me. Me and this community here, we've got a voice, but it's not, you know, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got, but it's all about having a voice. 
subscribe to 3CR, fiercely independent and community controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Tuesday, 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. News and music from West Papua. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR Community Radio. Yes, you're listening to the Dogs, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And next we've got uh, a press release from the Australian Education Union from Corinna Haythorpe about fighting for the next generation. She says, fighting for the next generation. As term three continues, COVID normal and the flu season on top of endemic teacher shortages are having a devastating impact on schools across the nation. The day-to-day realities for many schools are escalating staff shortages, combining of classes, school closures and staff and student illness. The same problems also affect preschools and TAFE, which had endured staff shortages, work uncertainty and instability prior to the pandemic. We've known a crisis is coming. Historical austerity and underfunding of, the, of public education have had devastating effects on the prospects of millions of students over generations. This shows uh, clearly that Australia has failed to grasp the economic and productivity benefits of properly funded public education. By diverting an additional $10 billion to private schools, the previous coalition government deliberately ignored the warning bells that have rung for the past decade. Nobel laureate Professor Joseph E. Stiglitz told the inaugural Carmichael Centre lecture in July that growth in inequality was undermining our democracy and our economy while also undermining economic performance. He reinforced the economic importance of strong unions, which leads to a higher productivity and stronger economic performance. And with the collective action being critically important to ensure the provision of education, health, infrastructure and childcare, it is unions that provide that collective action. Teacher shortages and education crises also echo around the globe. Education International has long said Quality education is at risk due to inequity, injustice, economic crisis, coronavirus and harsh cuts to public education. The alarm has been heard by United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres and the need for governments to invest in public education will be urgently discussed at the UNESCO-hosted Transforming Education Summit in New York in September. The AEU has responded to the Albanese government's invitation to submit our priorities to transform Australian education. 
transform education in Australia. This includes full and proper, proper funding for public schools, increased resources for students from disadvantaged backgrounds, restoring respect for the teaching profession, workload relief and increased pay commensurate with the huge importance of the role. For the AEU and its membership, the past two and a half years have been very difficult. The impact of the pandemic on public education has been compounded by the need to ensure that we can continue to organise and campaign in a manner that supports our membership and highlights the deep inequality in public education that has widened after nine long years of coalition cuts to, to public education. Our membership has grown to almost 200,000 members and AEU branches and associated bodies have continued their industrial campaigns in each state and territory. At the national level, we have fiercely campaigned for early childhood education, schools and TAFE but there is still much work to do. It will take the collective action of our members, stakeholders and supporters to achieve our objectives for public education. And that was from Karenna Haythorpe, the AEU Federal President. You listen to The Dogs on 3CR. We'll have a quick break and then we'll be right back with more. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And welcome back to the Dogs Program on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. You listen to the Dogs, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, and we've got some more material for you now. I'm going to throw over to Sorrel. Sorrel, what have you got for us? Thanks, Dale. So today we have an article for you by Chris Bonner, who is writing about schools in crisis solutions in disarray. The school year looks like ending with observations and commentary that smack of both the disparate and the desperate. In just a few days, we have seen reminders of worsening problems, suggestions that might narrow the focus of schools. The worsening problems were headlined just over a week ago. Education gap widens as HC, sorry, as HSC high achievers disappear from low socioeconomic schools, reported Nine Media the day before school resumed in most states. This item was based on my research into the increasingly evident shift of high achievers in New South Wales and Victoria to high SES schools. This story has many dimensions, but the constant is that we won't improve overall school achievement if we increasingly isolate the strugglers and leave them to their own devices and peers. But that view doesn't deter the mainstream school reformers from their mission. Like many others, the 
the Rattan Institute wants to increase the effectiveness of teachers. In a new report, it has recommended that schools should have access to a common bank of curriculum materials for all subjects, something that would save teacher hours in lesson preparation time. But it goes much further, elaborating on what might be included in lesson plans and content. Already the media is referring it to being sorry, already the media is referring to it being a bank of lesson plans. The CIDIC might say there used to be a valuable lesson resource available to schools known as a textbook. Indeed, textbooks are still around. One that I wrote almost 40 years ago is, Chris Bonner wrote, uh, 40 years ago is still sadly being used. But that alone illustrates a potential pitfall of the Grattan solution. To stay relevant, the lesson materials would constantly need to be revised. At what point is the professionalism of classroom teachers seriously undermined? To what extent would it reduce teaching to increasingly deliver on a narrowing range of easily measurable outcomes? And who would object? After all, Many people still assume that the purpose and quality of schools can be summed up by NAPLAN and ATAR. But there are good reasons why such proposals are contestable and why caution is needed. On the very same day that the Grattan report was released, The Guardian published discussion on whether ATAR should be scrapped. The views of seven experts on the student ranking system received quite an airing and almost all called for a serious rethink of the role of ATAR, an external assessment which has long resembled the tail that wags the school dog. The main defender of ATAR was a school principal in a cohort of schools found in all systems, which, not too kindly, are sometimes referred to as ATAR factories. Is this what school education is about? A destination and achievement? both served and reinforced by a colour-by-number teaching? And yet that principle simply reflects the mainstream view of what is valued and what constitutes quality in our whole framework of schools. Too many schools compete with each other, not to be the best at value adding to the achievement of their students, but in producing those headline results, which will guarantee them a prized place in the sun. They do that by making sure they enrol a large slice of the most aspirant achieving and advantaged students. It helps to explain the unseemly complaints by the high fee schools that their growth is being stunted, as described by a recent headline, Sydney private schools warn students will be turned away unless enrolment caps raised. Their whole existence and status relies on their capacity to turn away, as Lindsay Connors illustrates. It is about aspiration for the few, desperation for the many. Given that the purpose of schools and our expectation of schooling remains narrowed in these ways, it is hardly surprising that attention is paid to solutions, such as that proposed by Grattan, or to the parading of those who are claimed to succeed against the odds. How easy, just clone people like that and the problem is solved. Such thinking also helps explain the outrider status of the innovative schools that aren't on any league table but deliver in spades when it comes to student engagement and commitment, future focus, post-school destinations, and commitment to learning because they know it works. 
anyone in doubt should read the comments made by the contributors to the Guardian's report. Start with Sandra Milligan's new metrics of learning, including learner profiles that are informative about what a learner knows and can do, the standards they have reached, their interests and strengths, and their capacity to learn and keep learning, to collaborate, to communicate, to be good citizens. Or check out Michael Saxon's explanation of how they use HSC assessment tasks at Liverpool Boys High School to produce a capability profile for every student. We measure these areas, communication and collaboration, attitudes and values, practical and organisational, research and critical thinking, and innovation and creativity. As Hayley Maguire puts it, by broadening the way we value and recognise what young people learn, we would have the opportunity to think of new forms of credentials, new forms of assessments, guided by new learning ambitions. With luck, we'll all be around long enough to see the mainstream commentators, think tanks and policy policy makers scrambling to catch up. Great article by Chris Bonner there. Back over to you, Dale. Thanks. Uh, You're listening to The Dogs on 3CR. Uh, We'll be back right after this. Want to defend government schools? We are the dogs, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the Dogs Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
Published or Not has been around for years, but now Jan Goldsmith is joined by David McLean. We will chat about words and writing, authors and audiences, publishers and printing, a voice for them all on 3CR. Published or Not, every Thursday, 11.30 till noon. When you get home, baby, write me a few of your lines. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools Program. And now we've got an article that first appeared in the Australian Educator in spring 2020, a chance to restore equity in schools funding. Upcoming talks will decide the level of public school funding for the next four years. Labor's federal election victory could not have been better timed. It came just six months before the start of perhaps the most crucial negotiations for public schools in a decade, the New School Reform Agreement, the NSRA. The agreement between the federal government, state and territory governments sets the framework that will determine public school funding and education policy settings for four years. The new Labor government is on on the record with a commitment to a pathway for public schools to reach 100% of the schooling resource standard, the SRS, funding they require to provide a high quality education for all, regardless of their background or circumstances. Under the current agreement, public schools must wait until at least 2027 and until 2032 in Queensland just to get to 95% of the SRS, which is the minimum amount governments agree schools require to enable 80% of students to meet the national minimum achievement benchmarks. That is due to the former coalition government's arbitrary 20% cap on federal public school funding, the inclusion of a 4% depreciation tax and its special deals with private schools, which already sees them funded at or above the SRS. AEU Federal President Corinna Haythorpe says new Education Minister Jason Clare must now demonstrate the ALP's commitment by delivering a firm timeline for reaching full SRS funding for all. The time is now, she says. There's no other choice for Australia, for students of Australia. Otherwise, we as a nation accept that inequality is the standard. COVID-19 in particular has highlighted the very deep inequalities that were already experienced by our students. Everyone knows what needs to be done. Now, Commonwealth, state and territory governments must work together to do it. Fundamental funding flaw. David Gonski's review of funding for schooling set out systems set out a system intended to direct funding towards students with the greatest needs, with weightings for factors such as disadvantage, disability for Indigenous students and those in rural or remote Australia. However, the clear recommendations of the report have been ignored by successive coalition governments and educational inequalities in Australia have continued to escalate as a result. The coalition carve-up meant that students who started school in the first days of the Abbott government would go their entire school career without their education being fully funded. The current NSRA expires at the end of 2023. The Productivity Commission has been reviewing whether the objectives set out in the current agreement have been met, but its remit, drawn up by the Morrison government, 
omits any reference to funding. The AEU's submission to the, to the review calls that a fundamental flaw because funding is central to levelling the educational playing field for Australia's public schools. The OECD has pointed to Australia's widening inequality and its effect on widening student outcomes. Australia's most disadvantaged and challenged students are now overwhelmingly in underfunded public schools and any consideration or evaluation of the national reform directions in the NSRA must examine the current funding inequity that is endemic in Australia's schools. It is the teaching profession that will be tasked with putting any new reforms into practice. So although the agreements are between the governments, the AEU warns that it must be included in any discussions. There can be no new policy reform agenda without detailed and comprehensive consultation with the union, says Haythorpe. The AEU has urged the federal government to end the 20% cap on its SRS contribution for public schools, which leaves states and territories to make up the, the public funding shortfall. It was never intended that the Commonwealth should cap its share of funding. It was always understood that the Commonwealth had a greater capacity to raise revenues and should put in a broader share, particularly for those jurisdictions that experience severe disadvantage, like the Northern Territory, says Haythorpe. The union will also urge the government to close a loophole that counts capital depreciation against public school funding, effectively stripping another 4% of funds from its sector. It's time to fund public schools properly and fairly. And you're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR. We'll have a quick break and we'll be right back after Join me, Aya Kwai, with Ubuntu Voices, Wednesday at 8.30pm on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is chained. None of us are free. Teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions, and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world, and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR.
and welcome back to the DOGS program here on 3CR, the Defence of Government Schools program. And we've got a little bit more material from Sorrel. What else have you got for us, Sorrel? Thanks, Dale. So I have another good article. This one is by Adam Carey, and he is writing that school funding top-up comes with warning on costs blowout. He writes, school building projects are starting to blow out in cost, putting pressure on the state government's finances. As the Victorian School Building Authority has admitted to one disgruntled school community that recent global and local events made it harder to stick to a budget. Kingswood Primary, a state school in Melbourne's southeast, was given $1.3 million of emergency top-up funding on Thursday for a new hall. After previously being told that the multi-purpose hall it was promised in 2020 was no longer affordable. The school council had sought to hand back to the government $6.3 million in hard-won funding for the hall, rather than accept a heavily compromised version that the authorities said it was going to build within budget. When told it would cost an additional $2.6 million to build the original project, the school council preferred not to accept the more basic hall and wrote to the government to ask to redirect the funding to another school. We actually wrote to the Education Minister and the Victorian School Building Authority, which oversees infrastructure works, and said, we are happy to give the money back, said parent and school council member Dwayne Donson. Donson said it was a big decision for the school to proceed with a project that would claim half its oval, including an Olympic-style running track but that the community judged the benefits of the multi-purpose hall outweighed the loss of green space. We told them, we will give you the money back so that we can keep our oval, we can keep our green space, and we will bid for an upgrade later on, Johnson said. But Kingswood was told the project, and Andrew's government promise, would proceed in its reduced form. The school in Dingley Village, which opened in the 1970s but had never received funding for structural upgrades, was granted the funding in 2020 for a new multi-purpose hall following a successful campaign by its families. Original plans that went to tender in January included a building with a gymnasium, assembly room, drama and music spaces, a storage room for PE equipment and six toilets. But delays in tendering, as well as steep rises in the cost of construction, led the authority to strip the project back to a much more basic design, compromising a basketball court and three toilets. When this happened, we were devastated, Kingswood Primary School Council President Dani Chandra said. This week, following inquiries by the age, the school community was told 1.9% sorry, the school community was told 1.29 million in extra funding would be provided. Recent global and local events are making it challenging for the construction industry to source materials and find workers, the authority wrote to the school. This is pushing up costs on building projects and making it harder to complete them within budget. This also affects school building projects. 
As a result, some elements of Kingswood Primary School's master plan have become more challenging to achieve, they wrote. The government had provided further funding in recognition of these challenges, the letter states. The blowout underlines how smaller scale public works are being put under pressure by rising costs. According to master builders of Victoria figures, construction costs that were mostly static in 2019 and 2020 rose marginally last year, soared in the, six, in the first six months of this year. Timber, board and joinery costs rose 28.7%. Steel products increased 54.2% and other metal products jumped 30.6% and ceramic products rose 20%. Kingswood, which has 586 students, began agitating for funding to revamp its ageing and crowded buildings in 2018. Chandra said the school council was even considering launching a community fundraising effort to find the money needed for the full project. Wow, that's a crazy story. Costs are rising. Just uh, another example of how the pandemic's affecting just every aspect of life, isn't it? Yes, the pandemic and now the recession. (laughs) Okay, you're listening to the Dogs Program. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. You're listening to The Dogs Program on 3CR, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And if you'd like to find out a little bit more about us, you can go to our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. And that stands for the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And now uh, we're going to go overseas and see what Jeff has for us. What have you, what have you got there for us, Jeff? Thanks, Dale. Thanks, Jane. Uh, yeah, this one's from wonderful Diana Ravitch blog uh, from the 25th of October, and it's called Missouri Book Banning is on the Rise. Um, and she says, political back battles over book books are heating up in Missouri. This seems to be the right time to ban books like 1984 the Handmaid's Tale, and Slaughterhouse-Five. Will Fahrenheit 451 be banned too? Why is it missing? The Missouri law on banning books uh, was enacted in August. Missouri law 775 sets the guidelines starting on page 51. The law prohibits books with visual representations of sexual activity, aka pornography. It is a very specific definition. Legislators, visual representations only, not art or anthropological, they lost the CRT battle and needed something like this in law. They avoided the battle over the written word in content, just pictures. Graphic novels took the hit. Teachers and any school adult can be charged for distributing a censored book. The conservative strategy is to get the door open for book banning and then let it, then it will swing wide open to written word and content this year. In Kirkwood, about 15 parents and students spoke out on Monday against the Kirkwood School District's recent book bans, including a comic book adaptation of George Orwell's 1984. 
the cautionary tale about government mind control. At least 114 book bans have been enacted in schools across St Louis. This fall in response to the new state law prohibiting explicit sexual material, defined as any visual depiction of sex acts or genitalia with exceptions for artistic or scientific significance provided to students in public or private schools. In St. Louis, the 97 books banned in schools across the town this fall cover topics like anatomy, photography, and the Holocaust. There are books that are also popular TV series, including Game of Thrones, The Handmaid's Tale, The Walking Dead, and Watchmen. As life imitates art, Kirkwood School District banned a comic book adaptation of George Orwell's 1984. In Jefferson City, with a new crop of hard-right Republicans expected to join the Missouri Senate, some Democrats are worried that the upper chamber's priorities will swing more to the right in the next legislative session. Conservative wish list items, such as bans on transgender student-athletes and legislation that targets school curriculum, have failed to pass in previous years amid infighting among Republicans. But Senate Democrats say those policies could have enough momentum in the coming years with more hard-right members joining the upper chamber. For months now, a handful of books dealing with LGBTQ themes have been targeted by Kansas City area conservative parent groups and politicians. Conservative groups have demanded the removal of books on LGBTQ, and we could include INA, themes from public school libraries, but the censorship is expanding to other titles that someone finds objectionable. The Handmaid's Tale, for example, has no LGBTQ content. It's about a dystopian society in which women have no rights. But it's been pulled from library shelves and librarians are facing stiff fines if they defy the law. But facing a new Missouri law, some schools have now removed a much wider array of books from library shelves, including Slaughterhouse-Five, Watchmen and The Handmaid's Tale. The law which bans sexually explicit material from schools and went into effect in late August is tucked into a larger bill addressing sexual assault survivors' rights. Librarians or other school employees who violate the law could be charged with a misdemeanor, risking up to a year in jail or a $2,000 fine. In response, several school libraries have pulled at least 20 book titles in districts on the Missouri side of the Kansas City metro, according to reports provided to the Star through open records requests. The legislation specifically prohibits images in school materials that could be considered sexually explicit, such as depictions of genitals or sex acts. Sex acts. As a result, most of the banned books are graphic novels. The law does provide some exceptions for such work of arts or science textbooks. Proponents argue the legislation will protect children from inappropriate content and indoctrination. In schools all across the country, We've seen this disgusting and inappropriate content making its way into our classrooms, State Senator Rick Bratton, Republican of Harrisonville, said in a statement after the legislation passed. Instead of recognising this as the threat it is, some schools are actually fighting parents to protect this filth. The last place our children should be seeing pornography is in our schools. But others warn that such ban violates students' First Amendment rights and mainly target books that feature LGBTQ relationships people of colour and diverse viewpoints. You don't see people trying to ban any books that are on the far conservative end. So I think at this point, what we're seeing is a kind of protracted political strategy, said Joe Colburn, chair of the Missouri Library Association's Intellectual Freedom Committee. It feels very targeted to folks who identify as LGBTQ or people of colour or women. 
If you see your library is removing the handmaid's tale, that tells you something very specific. And I don't think that's an accident. Before the bill's passage, conservative politician, politicians, active action committees and parent groups in the Kansas City metro spearheaded challenges to school library books, mostly featuring racially diverse or LGBTQ characters. It is a trend seen across the country with the American Library Association reporting that the number of attempts to ban or restrict books this year is on track to exceed last year's total, which was the highest in decades. Librarians have raised concerns over harassment with some questioning whether to stay in their jobs. Tom Bastian with the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri called the book challenges an attempt to whitewash viewpoints and perspectives of historically marginalized communities. So that's really uh, a terrible uh, inc ongoing conflict in the United States where the conservatives are banning books that are progressive or at all um, just, just touching on anything that's controversial. Their poor children um, will be will be denied the opportunity to read widely um, and it's a terrible shame. Yeah, especially um, with the Handmaid's Tale, with that being, um, with that being banned, that... Margaret Atwood went out of her way when writing that book to only include historically factual instances of how women have been oppressed. So every form of oppression that is expressed in The Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood can cite historical precedents. So it's actively pointing out the basic misogyny that it is, that underpins a hierarchical system of governance. And um, to have that, Paul, just goes to show how overtly misogynistic this whole idea of non-inclusive politics is. Absolutely. With Roe versus Wade and every other attack on justice for any uh, gender politics, I mean, any women anywhere, I mean, it's just a, it's a threat to the world, worldwide, really. Absolutely. It's, a threat. it's, it's more than just in the United States. This is a threat from conservative politicians and conservative people everywhere. And it's why we must fight for open open source uh, university uh, and open source um, politics in our schools. Very important that people have a wide understanding of the total community, not just some narrow viewpoints expressed by some. Anyway, we'll move on. Thanks, Dale. Yes, that's scary indeed. But we'll have a bit of a break now and let's have a listen to some music and then we'll come back with our good news story, our great state school of the week.
Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03 94198377 each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's 03-9419-8377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. Get lost in science. CR every week to hear Beth, Chris and Stuart discuss news and issues from the universe that is science. Get informed and learn a bit more about the world around you. Lost in Science can be heard every Thursday at 8.30 in the morning and is repeated the following Tuesday at 6am. Word to the nerd. You can also download a podcast. Go to the website at www.3cr.org.au and get lost in science. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. 3CR! Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State State schools. School School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's great state school is Glenroy Central Primary School. Congratulations, Glenroy Central Primary School. This is a welcome message from the principal, Joe Money. Welcome to the Glenroy Central Primary School website. Glenroy Central Primary School is a 21st century school with open, flexible learning environments divided into four learning communities. Foundation, years one and two, three and four, and five and six. Our current enrollment is about 300 students. Our community is culturally diverse with a wonderful blend of students from across the world. The focus for our school is always the students with a particular focus on literacy and numeracy skills. During the first two sessions of each day, we focus on maths and reading, and every teacher in the school has an allocated role in the learning communities during this time to ensure all student needs are met. We work in collaborative teaching teams within our learning communities and collaborate through joint accountability and responsibility, shared planning, common teaching practices, as well as shared language and beliefs. We believe that curiosity and learning go hand in hand and we assist our students to direct their own learning by using thinking skills and their curiosity as learning strategies. We love students to ask questions, show enthusiasm, and really engage in their learning. The school also offers specialist programs in Auslan, STEM, visual arts, performing arts, and physical education. Our staff are also committed to their own professional development, and we work together on deepening our knowledge through research, refining our skills, and using data to drive our teaching. The staff, parents, students, community and I are committed to making Glenroy Central the best it can be. We are happy to talk 
to prospective parents about any queries or information regarding our school. I'm going to throw some facts and figures at you from the Akara My School website now. The school has 285 pupils. The ICSIA value of the school is 995, which is below the average of 1,000. This is a disadvantaged non-English speaking community. Only 1% have parents from the upper quartile in income, 20% in the second highest, 26 from the third quartile, and 41% from the poorest 25% of the community. 83% of the pupils speak a language other than English, and 1% are of Indigenous parentage. This is a school full of disadvantaged students with dedicated principal and teachers. It costs the taxpayer $15,298, which is not much above the Gonski Resource Standard, to educate a student at this school. The school receives only $931,000 from the federal government and $3.7 million from the state government, $27,000 from fees and nothing from private fundraising. The capital grants in the last three years have been only $312,000. All this money is money well spent. The NAPLAN results of these disadvantaged students are all above and well above average. So congratulations to the dedicated staff at this school in Glenroy. Glenroy Central Primary School, you are our great state school of the week. Thanks for that, Maddie. And yes, congratulations to Glenroy Primary. You are our great state school of the week. That's all we've got time for this week. And for our regular listeners, you will have noticed that Jean's not with us this week. She's busy and got a lot on, but um, we're hoping with all of our hearts that she can be back with us again next week and you'll hear more from her analysis. I'd like to let you know you can find out more about us at the dogs at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until next week, it's bye for now.
Jesus went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.